Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. My name is Matt Southgoom and tonight I'm joined by Andy Howell and Simon Thomas, our two rugby writers here. Uh, we've just been to watch Wales against Australia, chaps. Uh, pick the bones out of that one, Si. Well, we're used to slow starts in the autumn, but there's slow starts and there's slow starts. And that was the slowest of the slow, that first half. I have to say that is right up there with one of the most disappointing, frustrating and one-sided halves I've seen Wales come um, come second best in. They, they came third best in that first half, to be honest. <laughs> it, it was really, really terrible. Um, in fairness, I mean, Australia were, I think, a joy to watch in that first half and some of their attacking play. But the contrast between the two sides, the thing that really struck me, just watching with the naked eye, was the speed at which the Australians recycled the ball and the speed with which they then used the ball through the hand and attacked the space and you know, really ripped Wales to ribbons and could have had more tries in that first half, really. You know, ironically, the, perhaps the best period in terms of defence was the 10 minutes when we were down to 14 and when Dan Bigger was off. As soon as we were re- restored to 15, we, we, they scored a try and um, it really was an absolute lesson in that first half, the intensity and the pace. We couldn't live with it. And the, the two teams, they, they were oceans apart in that first 40 minutes. Absolutely, John. Uh, Matt, that comes from uh, <laughs> that comes from playing uh, uh, in the rugby championship and uh, Super Rugby. It, it, they're on a different planet to Wales, I'm afraid. And I thought the Australian tactics were so clever in that first half. They just bypassed the Welsh pack. Wales did not have a single throw to the line out in the first half. Australia, I think they had eight or nine, which showed that Australia weren't kicking the ball to touch at all. They were just keeping the ball for the hands. They were avoiding contact. It was a classic case in that match where Wales had space outside. Jamie Roberts got the ball and instead of attacking the space, he looked for someone to run into. And that was the difference between the two sides. They were, Australia were offloading before contact. They were they worked out Wales from watching New Zealand in the summer how poor Wales are defending the inside pass. And Bernard Foley, he's a top general at outside half, he had ball on the front foot. He must have thought it was Christmas, an early Christmas for him <laughs> because he was able to dictate, bring runners off the ball and the timing of the pass and the angles of the run were putting people putting people through gaps. Wales just didn't know why it hit them. But really, I wasn't surprised because, as for his facts, Wales were without a few key players. So, Sai, mm. before we get into the Wales stuff, everything else aside, we saw Rhys Webb go off on a stretcher, which was uh, devastating for the lad, obviously, and you know, we can't help but feel sorry for Webb having done his ankle a few, few well, last year before the World Cup. Um, what can you tell us about... What's happened then? We they don't play the replays of um, you know nasty injuries on the big screen, but they do play them on the televisions and the bars behind the press box, and you could hear the gasp from those supporters as they watched that replay. And I, I haven't seen it thankfully. I'm a bit squeamish. I don't think, like things like that. But people say it looked pretty bad, and his ankle went from underneath him. Um, and we, we've already been told by Rob Howley that it looks like an ankle ligament damage. That can that can be worse than a break sometimes. It could be a few months. You really feel for the boy, you know. Stretch it off again with gas and air, and um, yeah, unfortunately, it looks like it's going to be another lengthy layoff for him. Yeah, and um, slightly more positive news. Um, Howley was a little bit more upbeat about Jonathan Davis. Um, Hope that he's going to be available. Said he could have played today um, if they really needed him, but um, they thought they took the decision to give him uh, the day off because he had a bit of tightness. Um, hopefully, he'll be back next week. I, Matt, I imagine he's relieved to have the day off because <laughs> it doesn't matter if he'd been playing; wouldn't have made any difference whatsoever because Wales just did not have the uh, have the ball. And when they did, their passing was laboured. 
uh, all completely all, all the way across the three quarter line. They were ponderous in attack. They were telegraphed. How many times in that match did we see a Welsh attacker getting clattered with the ball, almost having a man and ball, because Australia just had them lined up? They were in total charge of the game line, whether it was in a, in attack or defence. There was one case, a Welsh move off a scrum, Lee Penny looped someone as he received the ball back. He was just absolutely flattened. The Welsh attack didn't go anywhere, really, apart from the Scott Williams try. And, uh, and Alan Amos adding a little bit of skill and ability to offload, except uh, sideways or backwards. Well, let's talk about that for, for a second. Uh, one of the things I've got down here to talk about was the, the creativity or the lack of creativity in that Welsh backline. For all the talk over the last 12 months about being more expansive and all the rest of it, the, the attacking play today was so turgid. Wales gonna f- can forget an expansive game with the players they pick because those players haven't got the skills to play that type of game. If they are serious about playing a more attacking and a wider game, I'm afraid they're going to have to change personnel. Wales need to play a more limited territorial sort of game with the players currently at their disposal. Because it'd be like a great Pool team in the 1970s and all, forward orientated. If you told them to play 15-man rugby, they'd be stuffed by a lot of teams. You've got to play to your strengths. And I'm afraid at the moment Wales are not playing to their strengths. I mean, certainly in that first half, there was no sign whatsoever of the, of the, the new attack in Wales. Obviously, they didn't have much ball in territory, but what ball they did have, they kicked. And the kicking wasn't that great in terms of the kick chase. And there were quite a few times you, you know, we'd said before, whatever you do, don't kick to Foley and give him space. He, he, you know, he, he was within 20 yards of space when he had the ball sometimes. Yeah. And the other thing for me was that on the other side of it, um, Australia actually kicked very well. And it was noticeable in the first 10 and 15 minutes, I think three, maybe four times, they kicked and targeted the side of the, the field that Alex Cuthbert was on, rather surprisingly, mm-hmm. given that George North and Alex Cuthbert all these years have, have played right and uh, left. Now they swapped it round. That was a little bit strange. But they used that little chip into space very well. Uh, you have to say that boy Foley is some player. I really enjoy watching him. Though. Yeah, I mean, Australia completely, completely outthought Wales tactically. Uh, it was clear they were playing on the Welsh wingers, both of them are known for being a bit frail in the air despite being uh, uh, tall men. And uh, Australia kicked to both, let, uh, competed with them for the ball and were uh, winning it. With Wales, had limited possession in the first half. The stats were appalling from a Welsh point of view at half time. Wales had a few free kicks at scrums. And what did Wales do? Kick the ball out of play and give it straight back to Australia. You know, in Australia were running around, their locks were so dynamic. They were in a different world of ours. Uh, Coleman and Rory Arnold. Excellent. Like three quarters, they were running like three quarters. No disrespect to Luke Charteris and Bradley Davis, but we did not see them in the game. Matt, Andy mentioned stats there. There's one stat we mentioned to each other after the game. Last six matches now, Wales, if you include the White Hart to a midweek match in, um, in New Zealand, that's 31 tries and 31 tries in six. This used to be the meanest defence in the Northern Hemisphere. Sean Edwards, you know, a fantastic reputation. So what's happened? Maybe with the attempt to broaden the game and to play a little bit more expansively, maybe take a few more risks, perhaps that is making us a bit more vulnerable because if you take risks, you can have more turnover ball and that can lead to you know being exposed defensively. But those are worrying stats. You know, What do you think, Anne? What's well, happened? What worries me with that is, uh, is today, I don't think it was so much off turnover ball. Uh, what worries me is the ease which where Australia pierced our defence from, uh, from set pieces if you like, and uh, a lot of Wales' uh, mistakes in defence now are not down to structure, they're down to simple one-on-one missed tackles. I'm beginning to get concerned with the players that had such resolve about making the tackles getting up off the ground and making another tackle in the past. Have some players lost their appetite 
for defensive work, uh, which if they have is always a worry for whatever coach is in I charge. I think there were 11 missed tackles in the first half, but that is not a Sean Edwards stat. Well, let's let's talk about that. When, when do you... Can you remember a time when Wales were penetrated so easily? Let's take the All Blacks out of the equation because with the greatest respect, they're playing some freakish rugby at the moment. But I, I can't remember seeing a Wales team so brittle. Not in the Gatland era. Australia were going through as and when they pleased. And, and at half-time, the game should have been... Well, it was effectively over, but they should have been much further in front, only they, they weren't because they bombed a few chances themselves. But they were going through when they wanted yeah, take uh, the All Blacks out of it. The only other time I can remember this in the uh, in the in the Gatland either is 2009. Wales 12 points, Australia 33 in Cardiff when Craig Cooper and all run Wales uh, uh, ragged. And unfortunately for Kapuro Gethin Jenkins, he happened to be the UK taker captain that day. Oh <laughs> right, then let's um, let's talk about Australia then for a moment. We've, we've obviously touched on them, but one to fifteen, I can't think of a position really today where Wales can come out on top. Well, the interesting thing about today, we've so much talked about David Pocock. He was almost a little bit of a side issue to the, Australia's devastating performance. Went off at half time. Um, I just love the way they put the ball through the hands, though, and the attacking intent they showed. And Andy's right, there's two second rows, Arnold and Coleman. They look uh, like they're going to be around for a long time. The number eight's a fine player. Um, you know, Rob Howley was asked in the press conference by one of the Australian journalists, could they win the Grand Slam? It's not inconceivable. I mean, they've come off the back of a, a difficult year. You know, the, you know, I think they won only three out of ten games this calendar year prior to coming here. But they play some lovely rugby, and they're going to light up the um, Northern Hemisphere this autumn. Yeah, the other bloke who impressed me for them, and he's hardly got a cap, is uh, to his name is Rhys Hodge. Good player. I thought he was yeah. excellent. At, you know, he I plays agree. fullback. I think a lot for the uh, Rebels. He plays, they've got him now playing inside centre. He's a rookie in international terms compared to the Welsh boys, and he looked far better than, yeah, than any Welsh. You look at that try he scored. For me, that was a really worrying one because it was down the narrow side, one inside ball from Foley to Hodge. We suddenly exposed a mismatch, him on um, Ken Owens. Then it was out to Foley, uh, to Israel Folau, sorry, and Folau steps George North inside path. But that, you know, we were speared there, yeah. skewered very, very easily. <laughs> and that's our, worrying. Our colleague Dami, uh, Dami Parfit at the time turned to me and said, There's no way this Welsh team could have scored that try. Do you go along with that? Yeah, I do. Because uh, I think we're uh, not even predictable. I think we're um, uh, ponderous in attack. I don't think we've got the pace, I don't think we've got the vision. And I don't think we got the skill to do that because, you know, they were doing like in football parlance, playing a series of one twos mm. to crack open the defence. Yeah. Uh, you know, in Wales, we're totally exposed to that inside pass during this match. I've got you, Bernard Foley is the next man to talk about. He was man of the match today. Um, in the first 10 minutes, I just had that feeling that he was going to have a field day out there um, this afternoon. And, you know, he put those two lovely cross kicks in in the first eight minutes, I think it was, both targeting that Cuthbert channel and they both... You know, they both paid dividends for Australia. What do you make of Bernard Foley's performance? So I'm going to ask an added question then. Who's the better player, Bernard Foley or Bowden Barrett? That's a good <laughs> That is a big question. Barrett has definitely got X Factor about him. But a fortnight ago against Australia, he had the hook off Steve Hansen <laughs> just after 45 minutes after being outplayed by Foley. Foley put in a man of the match performance in that day against New Zealand, despite uh, the All Blacks running away with it towards the end. Uh, I think uh, for, actually think uh, um, Barrett's a better individual runner, but Foley's a better uh, is a better general. Mm-hmm. You know, Foley is an ex sevens player who's made it big in fifteens, uh, and I think he settled the debate once and for all in Australia. Who's the better ten, uh, Foley or Quade Cooper? 
it's it's Foley because he can uh, he can do everything except his goal kick and it's not the best. <laughs> I was going to mention. I think Dalmi called him Toblerone boot today. Anyway, um, there was an attendance today of fifty five thousand seven hundred seventy six at the Principality Stadium. Mm. The one block of the stand was completely closed. The top the top of the top tier um, was largely empty around the ground. Is this a concern? Or is, par- this, yeah. is this new? It's part of the course against Australia in recent years. I've just been looking at the uh, statistics. And uh, since 2009, when Wales were getting 70,000, around the 70,000 mark against Australia, tendencies of them have tailed off. It's, slightly, it's a sign of the times because Wales' uh, um, record is appalling. They've won just three of their last 12 test matches. I'll repeat that. Three of their last 12 <laughs> test matches, which takes us back to the worst days of Welsh rugby uh, since the 19, 1980s. You know, you can have Ron, Ron Waldron as coach, Gaz Jenkins or whatever, Steve Hansen, this record is, is down there with them. People follow success. And Wales have been unsuccessful, plus ticket prices uh, are sky high, and that also uh, puts uh, people off. The other thing, well, the thing that worried me as well, I think when you had the interception try towards the end, maybe five minutes to the end, there were people streaming out of the ground, walking up past the press box from us. You know, they're not going to want to spend that money again to watch that realistically. Uh, we know that the Argentina game was the one they were struggling to sell tickets for. They would have been desperate, the WRU, for a competitive, ideally a winning performance against Australia to get bums on seats next week. They ain't going to send, sell many more tickets for that one now. It's all very well for the uh, Welsh Rugby Union to be uh, talking about participation uh, numbers, women's rugby, girls' rugby, amateur rugby, the semi-pro level but you've got to have the elite end of the game right because it's the elite brings in the crowds, generates the cash to pay for, uh, pay for the game. If the income streams go down for poorer attendances, it's going to have a knock-on effect on the rest of Welsh rugby. Let's be honest, this pesky fourth autumn international, which is always a cause of problems one way or another, it's there for one reason and one reason alone. It's there to bring revenue in, it to, to, you know, to drive and fund the domestic game. That's why I guess the regions have signed up to it continuing. But, you know, if we're going to get battered like this, then you're not going to get people turning up to see those games, and it's counterproductive. And it suddenly becomes a very, very long autumn, this. OK, then, uh, back to rugby. Um, earlier I said 1-15, to 15, Australia came out on top in every position. Did I do Ross Moriarty a disservice, sir? I thought Ross had a good game at uh, number eight. Uh, yeah. he, was, uh, he was sharp off the back of the scrum, very skillful, and he also d- did a fair amount of uh, tackling. You know, put some big hits in. I thought he was at a, a, a plus point in the uh, in the Welsh team. I thought he did really well. Yeah, yeah. If I, I'd like to take that comment back, actually, I think Ross um, Ross Moriarty played as well as anybody could in a team that was so well beaten in a, in a game like that. Um, looking ahead to next week, hopefully a few players coming back in. Can they make enough of a difference? It's interesting on the Moriarty thing. Before the game, I was walking down Westgate Street and I saw a little conversation taking place, and it was Nigel Davis and Paul Moriarty. Um, you know, we've been proud parents today, and I think in their own ways, their sons both did well. We, we talked about Ross, although he was tremendous. At one time, he absolutely zipped off the back of the scrum. Yeah. I mean, it almost, almost quicker than Faletto, and that's saying yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. And it's plus the ultimate sort of compliment to Ross that we coped without Ross, uh, without Tupi Faletto. And I thought Sam Davis, when he came, obviously there was the interception at the end, which was a, a blot in the copybook, but I did think there were some positive aspects for him. He, he did bring a different dimension. He, he took the ball to the 
the line. He was looking to try things, looking to, and he had a nice little pass. Um, but Scott Williams a little bit of space with that grubber kick, which is the, you know the highlight of the game for Wales. Yeah. So I think he was a positive, and, and you know as he's done at the Ospreys, he's now going to be putting pressure on Dan Bigger for the starting spot with Wales. Uh, I did think as well. I think I would mention Lee Halfpenny because um, it was a you know it was a game where Wales spent a lot in the back foot, and there, w- there was some heroic defence from Halfpenny. It was good to see him back, and he did look sharp. Uh, but if, to be honest, once you go beyond that, you're struggling a little bit to come mm. up with individual pluses. He must, he must did, Dan. Yes, he must did quite well fair, yes. as, a, uh, as a replacement because he is a skillful player. If you're going to play an offload in sort of game, he's the type of player um, you want on a pitch. I would love him to be playing outside centre for the Dragons because I'm sure, I believe, outside centre would be a position where he could flourish because he's got that knack, like the Aussies, of pulling two defenders onto him. Again, yeah. he offloads away. As today, when he couldn't get over in the corner I think he lacks a bit of pace as a winger yeah. but I'm afraid he's going to be a fall guy from this uh, from this Wales team that'll be Justin Tiprich because Rob Howley I think he needs to look at the video and uh, bef- and and, bef- and perhaps reconsider what he said today because he blamed the breakdown for this uh, Australia having such a, a fast attack well Rob there wasn't that many breakdowns in the game uh, Australia bypassed the breakdown because by keeping the ball alive by playing Simmons type rugby I actually thought Tipperich did really well and give it a big old goal and showed loads of skill in the second half and of course we are short of skill in the team yes Alan Wynne-Jones I guess he'll be back next week he will make a difference but don't forget Argentina actually throw the ball around more than Australia yeah. so will we be a situation again next week where there's not many uh, lineouts and can Wales cope with that sort of high tempo game but there's always a chance against Argentina because they do tend to give you a few gifts as well. Yeah. But, you know, but if they are you, with their A game, Wales are going to be in trouble. Yeah, I was at the press conference where Rob Howley spoke and it was noticeable a couple of occasions. He talked about the contact area and how Wales were unable to influence that contact area in terms of slowing down the Australian ball, which immediately kind of makes you think that, that you could well see Sam Warburton coming back in. Now, what would they do? Would Because Tipperick did offer an awful lot in the second half in an attacking sense beautiful hands to put Amos almost in at the corner might they go Warburton 6 Tipperick 7 before, sorry, yes, before we come in on that one I just want to say I felt like the best the best period of that game for Wales was when they started bringing on the bench Yeah. so I think you're going to talk about potential changes here so is there anybody on the bench for you that could be expecting to have a tap on the shoulder this week I, I think I would start Sam Davis because as Simon said earlier he played flat and he attacked the game line mm. and, he, and a lot of variety in his game uh, why not give him a go Wales have got nothing to lose you know these are friendly matches we got to be building for the next World Cups in 2019 and our record as I said the, the, uh, the number of defeats we've had in recent times it's not bad there's got to be changes give him a go start with Garth Davis at, at, at scrum half maybe change one of the centres mm. I suppose the other thing is what's going to happen with Liam Williams isn't it really because it's a little bit unclear just ex- what position he is in his progress clearly if he's available and there was a suggestion he would be and got, he needs to come in because when we're talking about the need to improve the attack in the cutting edge he's one player who would do that Sorry, but do attack of course you've got to have the ball and Wales <laughs> didn't have the ball very much today yeah. I don't think I think if Sam Warburton be playing today as against the All Blacks in the summer it wouldn't have made one iota of difference Alright then looking ahead to uh, Argentina I always love watching the RGs play because you know it's always going to be an exciting game. They've got a lot of flair. They throw it about. Um, they do tend to implode from time to time. So it's like you said, they'll always give you a chance. Um, should Wales fans be worried about next Saturday? Absolutely. Because if Argentina play at their best, they're a much better team than Wales. 
they finished fourth at the World Cup. And remember their last visit to the Principality Stadium? They absolutely humiliated Ireland in the quarterfinals of the World Cup. And, you know, with the high-speed sort of game which Australia uh, played today. And the players, they got, they got some fantastic players. Their number eight, Fernando uh, Isa, is one of the best players in the world already. He's up there with Kieran Reid, Tolupi Falatel, Sergio Perezzi, Pablo Monteira on the flanks, Nicolas Sanchez today, I think he scored 29 points against Japan, two tries and they run riot. They won against Japan, who are no mugs themselves, 50 points to, um, or 54-20 in Tokyo today. And that's after the 24 flight to Tokyo. Yeah. You know, the, the journey, mind, from Tokyo to, uh, uh, to, to Wales, that could uh, tire them out even more. It'll be about 16 hours before they get here. So when you take all those time zones and all the difference, they might be uh, shattered. They've had a big year. But to me, that is a worrying result. I thought they would uh, you know, win narrowly in Japan. It's a bit challenging uh, this week, but I always like to try and finish with a bit of positivity. Is there, is there anything that we can take out of this game or is there anything about the next week that you think Wales can pull it out of the bag on Saturday and turn this around? Well, hopefully the fact they can't be any that bad again. Um, I suppose the one thing you would always come back to is that we've got such a wretched record when it comes to the first game of the Autumn Series. We haven't won one since 2002. So you just, I guess, have to hope that with the time together, as has been in the past, they will see an improvement. But there is... What worries me, and I go back to it, is that those defensive stats. You know, one of the absolute foundations of the Welsh team has been the defence, and it seems to have just disappeared at the moment. And when that's the case, it's always going to be a tough day at the office. Matt, I covered uh, Argentina against Australia at Twickenham a few weeks ago. And I can tell you where Argentina had a lot of joy in that match against Australia, and they should have won that match, except they, again, they gifted the Australians. I mean, two interception tries, a few other mistakes. They had a lot of joy, guess where in midfield inside passes like Australia today uh, you know runners off the ball putting them into gaps so yeah and they got some big powerful players with a lot of skill but yes there is hope for Wales Alan Wynne-Jones bats back next week always provides a bit of leadership inspiration and which Argentina will turn up will they be a tired Argentina will they be um, uh, giving gifts to Wales will they implode a bit will their minds be on the job or will it be Argentina at their best. Let's hope it's the former. All right, chaps, thanks for joining us. We'll leave it there. And thanks to you guys for listening. Um, as always, you can follow all the fallout from this game, the reaction, the analysis, the opinion on Wales Online. And we'll be building up to Argentina next week as well. You can follow all that here on Wales Online.